Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy Dale Lippin in here with none other than my partner in crime, Trey Van Buskirk. What's up, man? Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Yeah, dude. I freaking I missed you, bro. I missed yeah. you. You know, you look good. What's going on? How's life? You all right? I did. I did a little dry run, dude. I don't know if you're aware, but I uh, I went to a wedding last weekend. Okay. Okay. Uh, How did that go? I- well, I played a lot of different parts, man. I, I played the efficient, I played the best man, and I also played the drunk imbecile up there on the dance floor. Nice. And was this all this was in preparation for uh, for Drew's wedding? Yeah, yeah. Quick dry run. Wanted to make sure that I don't know what role he wants me to play, but I wanted to make sure that I was prepared. Gotcha, gotcha. I, can I? I'll just be. I haven't got my invite yet, so I don't know what table I'm at. Am I near your table? Do you know who's sitting at your table? Dale, dude, this is. It's time to let it go, bro. It's starting to get really awkward. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, (laughs) I don't know what he's eating at his wedding. I'm sure it's going to be some sort of deliciousness. But uh, if you can't make it to the Dober wedding, which apparently I'm not going to, (laughs) uh, one thing that you can do is order the best meat on the planet Earth. You can go to stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code FIS, save 10% on the entire thing. All right, Trey. I'm yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to Allegiance Clothing real quick because okay. I need to make sure they tailor my suit for, for Dobe's wedding, dude. Okay. I'm thinking American flag on the back mm. of um, maybe, maybe on the lapels, very ever so you know nonchalant. But okay. let them know that it is a veteran-owned USA-made apparel company. Okay. Go to AllegianceClothing.com, type in that code PUNCH. You're going to get 15% off site-wide, guys. Are you going to do the wings like the, vet, like the, the Elvis leather outfit that we've tassels. talked about for yeah are you gonna do the tassels or no of course i'm gonna do the tassels okay. yeah gotcha i got you all right cool yeah. well speaking of the dobes captain america himself <laughs> is in the lobby uh we have been we, <laughs> we were gonna have him on last week uh had some dental work done i don't know i don't even know how mm-hmm. that happens but apparently he needed some dental work done so we're gonna get him in here now he's all novocaine up last time he that last time i talked to him he was talking all weird and stuff so we're gonna bring him in now He's a picture of perfect health. The guy's literally got adamantium in his skin. I don't know. He just look at him. Look at him. You can't even tell he was in a fist fight two weeks ago, dude. What is going I on? I apparently heal pretty quick. I try to notify uh, Instagram of the constant changing of the face, but dude, you look, 
Like freaking Wolverine, man. You can't even tell. <laughs> Your stitches are out already? Yep, yep. All the stitches, all the coloring is gone. I no longer look like I'm wearing eyeshadow. But unfortunately, I did have to visit the dentist. Was that directly correlated to the fight? No, no. It was uh, correlated to many fights. Okay. Uh, I went in for a cleaning like uh, a couple months ago, and it turns out that I had two cracked teeth. We had to get mm. fixed. So nice. my goal was to get that done and over with and then chat with you guys. Right. Turns out I couldn't chat at all afterwards. Uh, no words were coming out of that mouth. So I appreciate you guys for uh, postponing for me. Of course. Of course. All right. So do, do you want to just get into the nitty gritty here? Do you want to just? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. So it's fight day. How are we feeling fight day? What's what's going on? They sh- You know, you had a little cut scene where they showed you warming up and shaking out in the back. How are we feeling? Fight day, we wake up. How we feel? Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. Honestly, like everything about that week was incredible. Uh, the wake up was smooth. Uh, I was feeling like fun, uh, excited and motivated and confident. Uh, audience members. Oh, man, the wins and just hearing the crowd yeah. again was it was incredible. So, man, everything was like picture perfect. I was I was super excited. And Brad was a real cool guy. I ran into a couple of times right. during fight week. And uh, yeah, I'm a fan. Okay. Yeah. Sp- speaking of that. So when you, I think it was prior to media day, I saw you in the background in one of the embedded videos, but you got to see the Jamal Hill, uh, Paul Craig scuffle prior to what was it? It was media day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like media day. So I was over actually just like signing posters. And apparently I was, uh, I was waiting for Paul Craig. And uh, then, yeah, the, the, those entire shenanigans started happening. So, yeah, uh, I'm just in the background watching and enjoying uh, trash talk. <laughs> what, what do they do with those posters? They always show that everybody's signing them. Where do those go? Do you get one? Uh, so I get, I think, like two of them or something like that. I think every fight I get some signed posters. Um that do end up going missing. So yeah. I got to find somebody to give them to. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be, go up there. It'd be a shame. It'd be a shame if one of those just grew legs and walked away and made its way to uh, Charleston. I don't know. <laughs> God, dude. Hey man, I'm shameless, dude. You get everything. You never get anything you don't ask for. So um, I'm just, uh, there's no shame in my game. All right. So you made the walkout. You're sh- Brad standing across the, the octagon from you. And then the first 35 seconds of the fight, man, probably couldn't have gone any better. Right. Yeah. I mean, what's to just walk play by play me here, man. Cause I'm all right. Honestly- all right. Well, let me, let me, let me uh, get the, the full 15 in for you. Okay. Okay. So yeah, going in, uh, man, just, uh, just the walkout alone, just like the audience members again, Montel Jordan playing people like singing and dancing. Like I, I loved it. Like it was just fantastic. And then being in the octagon again and hearing the noise and the lights and everything was, well, it was tremendous. Went in, we, we dug it, we started fighting and then uh, I was able to find his chin. Um, and then I was able to finish. He, he, he's a tough guy, but unfortunately what happened was is, uh, I realized that I could touch his chin. I could hurt him and I kind of got tunnel vision. Mm. And so I was just zeroed in at trying to knock him out and finish his fight. Um, obviously the first round, I didn't get that. So we went to, went into the second round and Brad being an experienced veteran in kickboxing, he made the adjustment. He knew I was really just zoned in on my left hand and he was trying to make me miss. And I wasn't really being versatile or creative leg kicks, body shots. I really was just head hunting and he made the adjustment and because I had tunnel vision, I didn't adjust accordingly until the third round. Right. Yeah. But then round, he, I, was, I was trying to get him to step forward 
Because like, I was just being a bull the entire fight, and in the third round, I was like, all right, well, it didn't work the second round, so I need him to step forward. So I was trying to be a little light with my hands and, and work with more movement, and he was doing the same thing. Um, so then, unfortunately, one of my pulls, my, like double jab and pull or whatever, he caught me with a beautiful hook. And, uh, yeah, I tried to take a step back, and my leg didn't work for a second. Mm. And I was like, oh, I got to shoot for a takedown. Yeah. <laughs> And so, man, the, the fight was super close. To be honest, when I was in there, I thought I had myself uh, winning one and two. Um, but with my coach, he was like, hey, we don't know how the judges are going to score it. But you need to win the third. And uh, the last 20 seconds of the third round, uh, I obviously didn't win that. Right. So uh, going to the uh, judges' scorecards, I was like, you know, I could actually still win this fight winning two out of the three. And so they're like 29-28 unanimous. I was like, I have no idea what this is, and then they yeah. this, and then I was yeah. really upset. I felt I felt like you you got super creative, like you said, when you went into tunnel vision, though, where your coach is screaming because we. I don't think Dale and I have ever seen you shoot for a takedown in a very long time. So for you to do that in the second round and dive on it and get it, it was kind of like was that the game plan when he started to put out the volume? It was like how can I slow this thing down so I can position myself to get that that KO kind of throw some versatility in there. Talk us about that takedown. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've always tried to use takedowns to change the rhythm of the fight. You know, as people are like getting comfortable with defending my hands and like their kicks, you know, like, takedowns and level changing is a layer of like a threat and a weapon. So obviously I wanted to use that to kind of remind him that I could potentially continue doing this. And now I can continue to use it as like a fakes or, or like a threat. Um, unfortunately, um, I went from wrestling and then I dove immediately to like the seatbelt and allowed him to escape that control. So I got a lot of things I need to work on, but man, the entire time, I think what made the difference in the fight was I was looking for a finish either in the striking wrestling and jujitsu. Like I was just really hunting for a finish and I wasn't even thinking about, uh, like scoring points or, and, and Brad made that adjustment. And started, uh, you know, looking to, you know, win rounds and score points, and you know, had the better mentality, I think, in the fight, and that's what uh, had him winning it. Yeah, so I, so I'm with you. Um, I gave you round one, and then round two was kind of an any person round, but I was leaning more, more so towards Brad. And then, as far as I'm concerned, round three was razor close, right up until probably the last 45 seconds, and then when he did, you know. Uh, catch you there it i was like shit the way the judges have been going all night that's gonna be doesn't matter what the, what happened in the other four minutes and 30 seconds it's that 30 seconds which which was what was going to matter the most um i saw you put up on twitter that you watched the fight back and you thought you won now was that a deliberate poke to try to get like response at the trolls or did, when you watched <laughs> it back do you still think that you won the fight i mean what i you know it's open to um, interpretation here. What what's your thoughts? I mean, so I, I've only watched the fight twice. Okay. And, and and both times I have me winning the first and second round. However, mm -hmm. I am very biased in, in when I watch my fights. And so sure. obviously I'm looking at my significant blows. Uh but I'm also, you know, taking consideration his his counter right hands. Um I mean he was scoring points with his counter right hand. I just while I'm in the fight and I know what was going on, I was like they weren't really doing much significantly. They were just kind of just scoring points. And so, but the reason I posted it on Twitter, because like, I honestly want to hear what the fans are. Uh, I said before the fight, you know, I want to have a long legacy of fantastic fights. 
and people in the stands are, are the reason I'm getting paid. And, uh, you know, these are the people that I'm trying to impress. Sure. So for me to, you know, post on Twitter, which ended up on Instagram and ask, you know, I feel like I'm winning. I, I won this fight. What do you guys think? They're giving me their opinions. And these are the type of opinions that I'm going to uh, take in consideration for my next fights moving forward. Because not only do I want to have fantastic fights and impress the fans, but I also need to win as well. Right. And, and you said that, you know, obviously you want to go into the fight and you're like, you know, Hey, I can make careers off fight of the night performances. Did it again. <laughs> Epic. But did, I know after your loss prior to this, Dana White, you had an opportunity to speak with him. Did you get an opportunity to speak with any of the head honchos following this loss? You, I mean, being that it was a fight of the night performance, did anyone kind of give you the tip of the hat and say, Hey, we're going to get you right back in, get you something, another performance possibly. No, I mean, we're kind of up in the air. I, I, like, they were, like, shipping the fighters away as soon as their fight was over. So, like, you know, after I left the octagon, I was right in immediately, like, immediately in a bus heading back to the hotel. So I didn't yeah. have the opportunity to talk to anybody. Uh, except for, obviously, Stylebender and, and Brad for a little bit. Right. Um, but, yeah, I haven't quite heard anything about what is next. Um, I am going to take a little bit of an off-season because we got to fix some stuff and we got to get married. Right. Um, so, but I, I'm open for anyone and everyone. So, whatever the UFC thinks is the best fight for me, uh, my goal is just to make it entertaining again and get the W. Can I can I make a small suggestion? Yeah. Stop fighting on cards that Izzy fights on. Yes. <laughs> can we do that? Can can I, I'm you know one one is one is. I don't know what you want to call it. It's, it could just be by chance. Two, we start to see a pattern. Three, I don't know, man. I, I just I, I don't want to see you fight on a third card with him. Something about that guy. Bad luck. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if he's back there. He's got some Drew Dober voodoo doll. He's smiling at you, then he's poking it in the back or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> if there's just I'm, my gambler's mentality shows up whenever I see these. Well, I'm not a fan emerging. of superstition, so I know. I know. Style better wants to have another fight. I'm going to get on that card and change. Damn it. The, okay, fair enough. The fair. strategy. I've talked you into it. Never mind. Gosh. <laughs> he hey, brings in the eyes in the pay-per-view, so. That's true. Yeah, sign me up again. Yeah. Oh, you, you look like you had a hell of a time after, though. What was it? You went to Scottsdale after, did a little pool party, went to Scottsdale. Yeah, just being surrounded by people again. And, uh, man, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I always feel flattered and, and privileged to be around fans. And so after a fight, even though I got I, I lost, I was able to, like, hang out with the fans and I can talk to them about fighting and stuff like that. And so I really wanted to soak it in. So yeah, Saturday night and all day Sunday, I was just enjoying the people that were in Arizona for the fight. So you've got the, you got the wedding coming up. That's the next big thing, right? Biggest fight of my life. The biggest fight of your life. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So when does the, when does like the weight cut for the wedding start? When are we going to like, when are we going to get in like pristine wedding shape? Is that a thing that we're doing? Yesterday. Yesterday, okay. Yeah, I, I've literally have already started my cardio. We're doing wedding camp, and uh, yeah, we'll see if we can see one fifty four again. Okay, are are chicken wings possible for for wedding camp? Can is there any point in time between now and the wedding where where chicken wings could be on the menu? Why and would I, chicken Why would chicken wings be on the menu? Know, because right? because yeah, I mean, that's like an appetizer. Well, like the here's the thing: needs to be like rib steak. Like, why are we just only doing chicken wings? Because Trey and I made a wager with our uh, with with an affiliate podcast, the Run It Back podcast, and they're based in Australia, so they were firmly on Team Riddell. 
and obviously we're firmly on your team, ride or die. And the stakes of this this wager were that the loser, uh, I'm sure you've seen the Hot Ones YouTube videos where they have to eat hot wings of increasing intensity and be asked questions. The loser had to participate or has to participate in a Hot One style challenge as part of a, as part of a joint podcast episode. Trey and I are going to be uh, subject to to this, and I just didn't know maybe if perhaps you would want to sit there and hang out and uh, eat some hot wings while we're asked. I mean, that was probably like the determining factor of you know why I dropped the third round because I definitely I think want to so. see you guys eat these wings. <laughs> I think so. so I, think I don't exactly want to be a part of this because I am already a part of this. Okay. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Perfect. So we'll we'll figure out a way to make it happen. The time difference is going to be a shit show. So we're probably going to be eating hot wings at one o'clock in the morning. What's your what's your sleep schedule like? Is that even fa- is that even feasible to a guy like you? I mean, I'm all about eating hot wings at six at one in the morning. So <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. I may or may not have some of my own, but I'll definitely be there to watch. No, that we'll, we'll, we'll Uber Eats is a thing. We will make it happen. We will get you some. <laughs> we will get you some hot wings. Don't worry. We're gonna make it happen. Excellent. How many do you have to eat? I don't know. See, that's the thing is when you deal with these Aussies, they everything's up in the air with them. They're all just very laid back and kind of well, chill. Found to be a determined contract. Yeah, it's yeah. never the first. I know, man. Well, I needed you. I needed you, man. So <laughs> I don't. I don't have. Um. Uh. Gosh, who's your management company? I don't have them. So you know, I just sign whatever. They just put my name on shit, and I just sign it, man. So when is the wedding? When When is the wedding? August thirteenth. So I got seven weeks. Okay. So, so I, I want to back up for a second though oh, with, with your fiance, um, <laughs> you had a full crowd. What was it like for her being there watching you live? I know oh, she's done it before, but yeah, no, like she absolutely loved it. Like just being back. Um, this was her first time she was involved with the, the weight cut, hmm. uh, but she was, uh, she was in the audience when I was on the uh, Conor McGregor, uh, Donald Cerrone card. Hmm. So she's, so she's used to like seeing like the fans and stuff like that. The fight, however, was a different type of fight that she's seen before. So and she told me afterwards that uh, <laughs> she was nervous the entire time, and sure. yeah, she wasn't yeah. she wasn't a fan of these kinds of fights. She asked me to start knocking people out in the first round again. We <laughs> <laughs> were this close, man. You were that close to making that happen. Uh, yeah. All right. So we've got the wedding August thirteenth. We're just chilling till then. So. After that honeymoon, so what are you thinking? Like Christmas gift? See you back in the cage? Is that, yep, that yep. too far out? Either Thanksgiving, Christmas, or New Year's. Oh, um, I am undefeated in the, the month of January, mm. which is a little statistic. Mm. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I like I, I'm going to get back in as soon as possible. But uh, obviously, cutting weight after a honeymoon is does not sound ideal. Right. Yeah. That's, I can't even, I can't imagine it would, um, dude, I don't know, man. So here's the thing about that fight is now you've got me replaying it in my head and I, I really feel you're making a strong case for round two. Cause round two is when you cut him open, you did the damage to the nose, what he had to cut on the, uh, on the eyebrow. That was all round two. Was it not? So damage has to count for something. Yeah. I don't um, know. You got my head. I think, like if we're going to get like detailed in this, I think, um, uh, Brad found kind of like a stride at the end of the first round. Okay. Um, he's more of like avoid my left hand, um, and then he can counter right. So going into the second round, uh, I basically just started doing the same thing I was trying to do in the first round, and he made the adjustments. And um, so then I wanted to like change it up by shooting that takedown, which I then I guess he then was reminded that there's takedowns involved as well. 
Uh, I think not, neither of us were even successful with like what we did with the takedown. Right. We both put each other on our hips, but we didn't really do anything with it. Like the cage control was, I mean, back and forth. Um, I think he was landing um, his counter right more often, but the punches that I were landing were more significant. Uh, but again, that's just my opinion. And also it's my hard head being in the fight, right? Didn't consider his right hand being significant, but uh, who knows? Other people watching are like, yeah, that one definitely hurt a little bit. But um, yeah, I just think it was just a razor thin. And I think I was landing uh, a little bit heavier shots. Mm. But yeah. again, that's always my opinion. And sure. uh, yeah, no, I value everyone's opinion. I think he did outpoint me with that counter right majority in the, in the, the second round. So that's, that's what... that it was so close. That's what, that's what Dale and I were talking about. It's a total crapshoot what judges you're going to get, though, because maybe you're getting a little bit more out-volumed from Riddell, but you were landing the more significant heavy shot. So it's like, how are you how are you scaling? And then, yeah, and then what about a like cage control, too? Like, uh, right. who was initiating the combinations, controlling the octagon, and, uh, you know, looking for a finish? And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people compliment the fighters that are aiming for to finish the fight. And they, they're not a huge fan of the people that play the game and, and try to, you know, point out victories. And so, like, is there going to be some sort of, a, you know, a benefit to me continuing to, like, look for a finish? Or do I need to start pulling back and, you know, playing the game a bit? Right. Yeah. I think there's a great question in the chat. Um, is there anything that Brad did that surprised you in the fight? Are there, oh, um, yeah, his wrestling, actually. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, as, as soon as he, like, he shot for the takedown in the first round of the defense, against uh getting staggered um he was doing a lot of like intelligent stuff like so i i guess i i underestimated his, his wrestling ability and when i took him down in the third round after i got rocked uh he hit a kimura trap which yeah. is a, a pretty slick jiu-jitsu move so um i guess i like underrated his, his ground skills so hmm okay so <laughs> I don't know, man. I, golly, so I know. Forgot, now I'm thinking you fully won this. Fight. I know. Now, so you got, you got me in my you got me in my brain here. I wish we were we didn't get this in depth about it because now I'm like replaying the entire thing. Yeah, ahead. for sure. Um, I mean, unfortunately, opinions are great and everything, but like what's done is done. So right. yeah, we sure. got we got that L on the, the damn uh, record, right. but um, definitely want to uh, just make these adjustments um, moving forward. Because you know, right. I think this year I beat or I fought the one of the best grapplers in my division yeah. and one of the best striker strikers in my division. So like I felt that I, I've experienced it. I know what it's like. So now we're just going to make the adjustments now in my training. So that way we're not just hanging against, with, with these guys, but we're excelling against these guys. Right. Yeah. Did did after the fight? Did you get initial like? some advice or some tidbits from your teammates. I know Justin Gage, who was cage side, obviously did any of them talk to you about the fight? No, I just given a lot of uh, holy crap. That fight was incredible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a lot of confidence on my chin and I went like uh, compliments <laughs> on just the, the style of fight. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I honestly, uh, I don't think any like fan or, or, or teammate or coach of mine really like thinks that this fight was, you know, a huge loss. It was just, Sure. And, you know, I gained fans from it. I had a lot of fun doing it. You know, being in front of it, like, so, you know, I I haven't really been getting a lot of a constructive criticism, but just more so a lot of compliments. So about the, so it's two things that you mentioned that, that reminded me what I wanted to ask you. So you talked about people's opinions mattering and then your chin. When you watch the fights back, do you watch it with the commentary on or with the commentary off? Mm -hmm. And if the commentary's on, what was your assessment of their 
portrayal of what was happening in the cage because they paid a lot of attention to various things depending on the round. So just what, what were your thoughts on the commentary if you listened to it? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I did. Um, I like what you're doing just because I like hearing other people's opinions. Right. Um, I felt like they were really dialed in on uh, Brad's right-hand counter, but they really didn't make any mention of like my follow-up with it. Now, I wasn't doing a good job of avoiding it, but I was trying to follow it up. So I would initiate the combination. He would slip and then, uh, you know, throw his counter. And then I would try to finish, you know, the combination, you know, like just with anything. Like I'd try to finish it. Right. And so I just felt like the commentators were like complimenting Brad's counter a, a lot and just ignoring kind of like what I was initiating, what I was attempting to do. Um, but that was just me watching it. And I think this is me being biased too. Like I'm watching me trying to do something. And so like, I know what mentally what I was trying to do. And, uh, but yeah, I, I like listening to the commentary when I watch fights. Yeah. Was it one? So it, what was getting me was, is they were giving you sort of that like sideways compliment, like to your point, they weren't talking so much about what you were doing. They just kept talking about what Brad was doing and your chin. Like, so like, yeah, they're like a fire hydrant. Right. <laughs> he, did, he did call you a fire hydrant. Yeah, that's that's a good. I mean, it feels like it's probably a pretty accurate assessment, don't you think? I mean, it doesn't matter if it's commentary, YouTube, Instagram, or Twitter. Everyone talks about my jaw. Yeah. And so it's just I can't get away from it. Right. And uh, yeah, I guess I just showcase that the chin is uh, works in a fight, not just in pictures. <laughs> gotcha. So afterwards, after you know, fight ends. You go out. You know, dinner with with friends, family, teammate, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Sean here in the chat wants to know what's your favorite thing to eat after a fight? Uh, <laughs> big slabs of meat. Yeah. So like steak or barbecue. Um, and then it depends. Like if it's immediately after a fight, yeah, steakhouse or barbecue. But uh, if it's after uh, the, the bars are hanging out or even if it's a late night fight, uh, I'll tend to go to some diners. Yeah, we gotta Dude, get you. We gotta get you some steak, man. After the fight, though, I can only imagine like you, like you know, even if you go on like run a marathon or whatever, you have half a sip of beer and you get absolutely wasted. Is your tolerance just completely gone after a fight? I would assume so, but as I think about it, like no, I usually don't get hammered after fights. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, yeah, I do drink actually. So I don't know. Maybe it's because like my body is in such good condition and my liver is like been well rested mm. <laughs> and it's just like on point and ready to like purge it out of the system that's good i would have thought opposite that's crazy that's what i would have thought too but uh yeah. but i'm also an exclusively old like wine like right. so oh. i just like drink wine the entire night so i was like you don't really i mean it's kind of difficult to get hammered off of pouring <laughs> wine at bars right <laughs> I, trey would know all about this obviously him being in california all he does is drink wine hard that's kombucha and seltzers so yeah. or any gross gross, gross. Well, kombucha is good for your, it's good for your gut bro we got to get you some it's minor dude it's all about health yeah. hard, hard kombucha is all about your health oh my god dude yeah, i can't you know, i can't be an athlete that. over here okay yeah that elite level performance that you have so, <laughs> unreal all right so we have the wedding august 13th we're doing the honeymoon after that What's the, uh, you know, obviously you're planning, you're planning everything for that. Plus you've got a, a, a midnight snack session scheduled tentatively with some hot wings. You know, you said an off season, man. What's the, what, what, what does an off season for, you know, Mr. Dober 
contain? What 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 are we going to be doing, man? Are you just chilling out, or what's going on here? Are you going to the gym every day still? What are we doing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. I mean, one thing to me is uh, eating to perform, so I'm not like in a calorie deficient, always trying to lose weight, and I'm uh, definitely using that for productive reasons. Right. So I just had a meeting with all my coaches about kind of. Uh, man, I've, I've dropped two this year and uh, we got to make some significant changes. And what does that kind of look like? And so, um, you know, grappling, so wrestling and jujitsu needs to be more of like a, an offensive tool. I probably need to get away from uh, trying to headhunt and <laughs> lay everyone out and be a little bit more versatile with my striking. Um, obviously, I need to like eat and condition to even perform well in the gym. Because uh, I have Justin Gaethje standing in front of me, and so I want to be pissed off tired for that. Um, but mainly is um, that tunnel vision I experienced against Brad. There's been moments in my career where like this has happened. I get fight in the night uh, from it. So like with yeah. my fight with uh, Frank Camacho, now with Brad, there's occasionally some fights that happen where I'll just get zoned in and just head hunting. And it doesn't really uh, help me in uh, like attaining a victory at the end. So uh, majority I need to fix is just this, this mindset, this mind frame where I need to put my mind in a uh, positive, in a more creative position intentionally. So that way I'm not running into these occasional fights where I'll get this tunnel vision. Yeah. Tunnel vision and conflict's real. Um, I don't have it in a I don't have it in a fist fight perspective, but mm -hmm. I mean I've done tons of firearm training and then I've was in law enforcement for a number of years. And anytime you're in any sort of incident, uh, that tunnel vision is a very real thing. And it's, I think it's telling to have the wherewithal to realize that you have that and then trying to shake yourself out of it. Much of much training that we had to do after the fact was trying to get people to break out of that. Cause that's how you can miss a lot of things whenever you're just focused on one, on one sole factor. So that, I mean, I know that you're a guy that takes his craft very seriously. So, when you brought those those concerns or those adjustments to your coaches, did they accept it with open arms? Like this is something that we've got a game plan for, or we're going to go to the drawing board, come back and bounce stuff off you. Like what's their assessment of what you need to work on or what you, their assessment of your assessment, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, they all agreed on like, was it 90% of this, this field is, is mental. So you definitely got to, like, you know, adjust your mentality, like, on purpose and, yeah. and have, like, a, a structure for that. Um, I really have any, like, drastic changes that, like, my coaches have really brought up. It's more so kind of uh, looking at the uh, the moments of either hesitation, limitation, or, or, or failure in my fights and, and realizing that, like, I was kind of being one-dimensional, right? Sure. And, and it's kind of like a like sectional. It was like my wrestling, my jujitsu, my my striking all seem to be like separated. So the main thing is work on mentally and also combining all those together. So that way they're more of like one. Where I'm not just striking, not just wrestling, or just playing jujitsu. I'm doing all of it at once, all the time. So that way it's more second nature that you know, I can hit a double leg off of my strikes, uh, and it's second nature versus me constantly having to think about it. Gotcha. Yeah. So you're going you're to have this off season. You're still going to train, obviously keep killer instinct. I want to get your thoughts on this actually. So did you see that viral video that came out of Orlando Sanchez and Sean Strickland training at the Ruka facility? Did oh, I did see that. Yeah. Okay. Gosh, I, I want to get, no, I want to get your thoughts on this because <clears throat> I've heard both sides. Everyone that I train with in my jiu-jitsu gym says that Orlando Sanchez is 
is totally in the right. All my other friends that maybe aren't involved in MMA at all think that Sean Strickland's right. He goes in for the underhook. Orlando Sanchez kind of gets his mirror lock on him really quickly. I mean, dirty. I mean, in your like pro training and stuff like that, are guys going, I know they're going hard and sparring, but are they doing kind of slick things like that or no? Um, it's usually when you're in a, another gym, really, uh, when you're in another gym, then guys will want to try to like prove themselves against the UFC fighter. Mm-hmm. And so Sean Strickland should at least be aware of what might be like might happen. Right. And, uh, I'm not a fan of like throwing a kick and a slap, like submission attempt. like, you couldn't hear anything. Just went like, yeah, we're done. Right, like you just walk away from the situation, right? Yeah. So I just felt like things weren't handled properly on the Sean Strickland side of things. New gym, black belt in jiu-jitsu, you are the UFC fighter. Like you should have been aware and you should have like calmed things down and not just try to get right after him immediately, you know? Right, right. I did think the reaction was a little suspect, but in, in defense of that, though, like, so here's the thing is they're, they're talking trash prior to, and for, for the longest time, before the motorcycle accident, anytime I ever saw anything with Sean Strickland, he seemed very quiet, soft-spoken, which apparently is not the way he is. Apparently, he talks a ton of shit. Um, but it seemed like they were talking shit to each other prior to that, and then they go in there, and it looked like, I mean, I don't know this other gentleman, but it did kind of look like he really... I mean, he went after it. It looked like he gave it a good a good go. And that's not a small man. He's not a little a little guy or he's not some guy walking in off the street that doesn't know what he's doing. This is just going too hard. That's a trained professional world champion jujitsu competitor. And he that's a big ass dude. And he wrenched on him. And but the response from Strickland, in my opinion, was a little suspect. That weird spinny kick and then the backhand and then immediately stopping. It was a very weird interaction, man. I I, I don't really know if anyone I think, the fault come to like like both of them, right? Like Sean's reaction afterwards could have just been a little light. But also, what was the intention of that 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 submission, right? You're not you don't have a locked position. You're really just wrenching on it. Like, do you expect him to like tap in a split second, right. or you right. expect him to dislocate his arm? Right, right? That's fair. right, because like you didn't give him the opportunity to like say checkmate, like wow, you got me by surprise, right? You're right. just immediately going for like the injury, right? So, and then, so, like, Sean's, you know, reaction is uh, understandable, but it's still over the top. Uh, so, like, I think the wrong was in both of them, you know? Right. It's also a gym, too, and people are working out and trying to, you know, it's a it's a bunch of A-type per, or type-A personalities in there running around. So, I mean, that's, that's bound to happen. Egos running around. Yeah, for sure. Drew, I got, I got one more question for you, man. And actually, this one... <laughs> this one's tough, tough to say. Um, oh gosh, I don't even know. No, dude, our boy um, outside of you, oh. uh, Taylor Tombstone Johnson, oh, is fighting on right. Bellator uh, this Friday oh, he's against fighting Lance an Wright. Guy. Uh, so Lance Wright, who fights for Elevation Team oh, Elevation. Okay. So you're going against my teammate? Yes. Yes. Tell us a little bit about Lance Wright here, so yeah. that we can give us the scouting report. Do you know this guy? Yeah. Um, yeah, Lance is pretty much like a, like a demigod when it comes to like fighting. Uh, he he like, never leaves the gym, and um, he just like throws around Usman like all the time. So, uh, you know, yeah. Lance is, so I think he's just kind of taking a little tune-up fight here in Bellator, and uh, 
<laughs> you have no idea who this guy is. There's too many people in that gym. You, you have no idea who Lance Wright no, is. No, Lance Wright. No, no. He's actually really good. I, uh, I actually have trained with him. He's actually injured people before. Uh, but, yeah, he's, uh, he's a, I know, right? He's a really good grappler, solid grappler. And uh, his striking is unorthodox but effective. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, wh- th- that makes me that makes me only this the, a fractionally uh, nervous. That that's all. So yeah. That's good. Yeah. But yeah. I know nothing about uh, the Tombstone character. So the Tombstone. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. We'll see how this goes. Okay. He, he buries people. He's going to bury Lance. I'm sorry. Yeah. Man, that's that's our hope anyway. So there, there's only two fighters. I mean, listen, if if the UFC and Venom could get their get their act together, it would 100% be our intention to you, you know i don't know if we could afford you or not but we would try to throw a punchless logo logo on your on your kit somewhere for sure T- taylor though is is our one and only flagship uh fighter so in that well, i'm not limited to my tattoos and so how much would you pay me to wear your logo forever bro you have to it's, be such dark ink you're so tan right i'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do the white ink yeah, yeah, there we go. It would also just seem kind of criminal, right? It would, it, yeah. it would feel like you know. I feel dirty doing yeah, it. Yeah, it'd be like putting a bad paint job on a sports car, man. I couldn't do that to you. No, <laughs> I couldn't do that to you. All right, so two quick questions in the chat. We'll we'll cut you loose. I think you've already answered both these on previous episodes. Uh, walking around, what are you walking around at right now, weight wise? Uh, about one eighty five, hopefully. Gosh. Freaking. Yeah, I uh, in shape. I'm in like the low 80s, like 83. Dale, why does this 185 look way different than your 185? Oh, uh, because my 185 is actually 215, bro. There's oh, a okay. Big difference. <laughs> yeah. True story. I'm 183 when I enter the octagon. So, dude, that's oh, so geez. crazy. I'm a Flintstone. That's that's so wild. <laughs> and then, uh, have you ha- have you had a chance to talk to Rose after her win? And if so, did you guys celebrate or say anything to each other? Uh, no, unfortunately, uh, gotcha. Rose kind of keeps to herself and she's got her own, like the, the females kind of have like this, this own little training system here in Colorado to themselves. And so I rarely see the female fighters. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, man. Well, listen, it's been, it, it, it's always fun when every time you come on, man. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk to you. Well, I know we're going to talk to you one more time before your wedding. Cause once I chicken talk wing to challenge. yeah, chicken wing challenge, we'll make that happen. Uh, so until then. Uh, you know, stay healthy, stay safe, man. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. I appreciate you, bro. Thanks, Trey. Thank you. Find a better person, trade. Find a better person. You can't do it. Fuck, I am so fat, dude. You are fat. Um, here's what I love. It, I'm just he's we're we're gonna catch shit for it after the fact. He's drinking wine off camera. No, he's not. Yes, he is. It's the second look. Look right now. Look right he's now. Right he's now. drinking wine off camera. He the whole time. And then when you started talking to him about drinking, I could see there was like a shift in his eyes. Like, <laughs> don't say anything about me drinking because people I know watch this and that there's going to be a thing or they're going to listen to this. And I don't want him to know. But I'm I'm he's not in here now, so I'll say whatever I want. He was drinking the whole time. Wow. Gosh, dude, I just don't understand it. I, I cut out drinking and I'm still just fat. I don't understand it, man. Well, so, so with one, it's genetics, yeah. and then two, he works way harder than you. If we're just <laughs> yeah, being honest, he just works stupid. infinitely harder than you do. <laughs> yeah. He also has like a professional nutritionist. Yeah, and he as of this moment, at least I don't know unless he's got one I don't know about. He doesn't have kids either. Kids oh. make you fat. 
That's kid, true. Kids make you fat. That's the moment you have true. a kid, you're like, I, just, I can't anymore. I just don't care. That's yeah. Yeah. At my, least that's what I keep telling myself. I'm three deep at this point. Well, dude. And I, I thought that having kids, you get that dad strength or that dad dick. Didn't, I didn't get either, bro. I got zero, zero strength. Dick didn't grow. It's yeah, insane. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. What about, what, what about the boys? Did the boys drop lower? Um, I don't know. I haven't seen them in a couple of years. Gosh, man. I'll tell you what, dude. <laughs> oh, man. My my ball sack looks like two Hezbollahs in a, in a sheet. Just, <laughs> just, just it's, it's bad, man. Oh. So bad. Oh, <laughs> athlete. <laughs> That's why God made compression, bro. That's right. Listen, I can't see. But here's the thing, though. That's the flip side. Once you get over 35 and yeah. you get into compression, you just sweat through them. So then it's like being in a wetsuit all the time. I can't be in compression, man. It's too wet. No, I it's, feel it's, like I feel like you could be like the the South Carolina version of Kamara Usman, dude, where you just wear that in a t-shirt. I can't, man. I can't do it, dude. I can't. I can't. I can't wear compression stuff because it sounds and looks like I'm in a wetsuit all the time. I just, I, it, it just doesn't work for me. And then, do you ever see like like the Paige Van Zant things where she like takes off like the thing that's making her sweat a lot and she like wrings it out? Oh, yeah, the TC one gel. Yeah. yeah. Anytime it's like I have that all over. Wherever I wear compression stuff, that's what it's like. You're just TC one. You're just one. Yeah. Big gelled. Yeah. 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 It's just, I get it. it. It happens like that. All right. Um, we're forty minutes in and. <laughs> <laughs> that's largely in part due to the fact that one Drew's easy to talk to, and two, we hate this card. So, <laughs> this guy fucking sucks. <laughs> uh, it's it's okay, um, but let's make some picks. Yeah, I'm ready, dude. Dude, what are you drinking tonight? Is that water? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get in shape. Are you? I really am. For I'm... what? What's the purpose? Just so you live longer, or what? November fight to win San Diego. Your boy's gonna do a little grappling tournament. I need to start getting in shape. So you're gonna do a grappling tournament in November. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna try and get in shape. Can we sponsor you? I need to get to 155. That's the goal. What's it, how much is it gonna cost for us to sponsor you? Maybe 170. Depends. Why are you <laughs> Why are you avoiding my sponsorship question? Dude, of course. Are you kidding me? Okay, well, say that, man. Yeah, I'm just gonna wear all punchless shit, dude. Okay, perfect. Yeah, why do fucking win? Why is that even a question? Listen, oh, win? I don't know about that. Well, no, here's the thing: you better I'm fucking participate. win. No, 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 stop with that. Stop <laughs> with the participation. We mm. either go to win or we don't go at all. Well, if I go, I'm definitely getting a shirt of the tournament, so oh that's a win. And that's you're gonna throw it, if it's not if it's not a first place shirt, we throw it away. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> definitely no. If it's a dry fit shirt, I'm not throwing it away. Okay. What if we can we let's um let's auction it off? Okay. That's cool. Actually, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. We'll auction it off and then, yeah. Or we'll turn it into beer money giveaways or something like that. You want to give beer money away this episode too? Yes, dude. All right. Let's do it at the end of the episode. All right. Let's break down some fights. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, man. First fight on the main card Ja Herbert at 10 and 2, taking on Renato Moicano at 14, 4 and 1. Renato Moicano, for a long time, I thought would have a career outside of MMA, but then he went and got that big ass neck and like face tattoo or back of the head tattoo. Yeah. Firmly solidifying that he's going to be an MMA fighter for the rest of his life. So I hope he makes some decent money because he is not getting a job doing normal shit after this. He got that whole neck piece done now. My man, what is he? The, is he the Panther? What's his thing? The Cougar? What's Moicano's nickname? It's Brazilian for something cat. Oh, some sort of cat, some sort of Brazilian cat. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He's taking on Ja Herbert. Ja Herbert at plus 200, Renato Moicano at a minus 235. Over on rounds at two and a half. They did my boy Moicano dirty. He's got a 
really tough strength of schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, And as such, he's got a little bit of a handout here, I think, in Ja Herbert. I don't necessarily love the line at the minus 235, but I like Moicano as a parlay piece here because he should be able to beat Ja Herbert. What do you think? Well, that's the tough thing. Yeah, the record is salty because he's fought the who's who. Mm. Um, Jai Herbert, though, trains with Leon Edwards. He's going to be – I think he's going to be the more technical striker. He's got good footwork. The thing we've seen in the later fights of Hanato is he's a guy that falls in love with his hands. And he started to fall in love with his hands too much that he's dismissing his wrestling base, his good jiu-jitsu. He's an ATT guy. This is a guy that needs to go in there, use his hands to set up the groundwork and get it done on the ground. Yeah. If Jai Herbert clips him standing and Hanato throws the game plan out, much to you know, Dale or to uh, Drew said, you know, goes tunnel vision, that's gonna be a tough thing for Hanato to overcome. If Hanato sticks to the game plan, he should get this thing done. I I I like the over two and a half in this fight because I don't think if if he does go to the ground, it's gonna be a submission. I think it's just gonna be a large lay and pray type thing, and Hanato gets it done by decision. Interesting. I don't necessarily know that I call his record salty. I mean, he's 14 and four, but it is, he's lost three of his last four. So we can be a little bit critical of that, right? That he's lost three of his last four. But if you look at who he's lost to at all, right? Hafiel Faziv, which we now know is a human wrecking ball. Um, Korean zombie, Jose Aldo, and Brian Ortega. That's what I'm saying. He's fought the who's who. I'm he's not losing to anybody. Yeah. He's, yeah, I mean, he's, he's losing to the upper right. echelon. Right. Um, you know, he's he's a beast, man. Yeah. He should beat Ja Herbert. And should beat. Should beat him. I like him as a parlay. I'm gonna put him in. A, I'm gonna put him in a parlay. Man. Okay. I'm just gonna throw him in a parlay. I don't know what parlay it's gonna look like, but you'll see him pop up. All right, next fight on this card: Nicholas Dalby taking on Tim Means. Tim Means at 31, 12, and one. Nicholas Dalby. Uh, I, I feel like Dalby recently switched his nickname. It's something Danish, whatever. But anyway, Dalby, uh, like I said, is at 19, 4, and 1. Plus 108 underdog here against Tim Means coming back at a minus 128. You know me. You know me. I love me some Dirty Bird, but I also love me some Nicholas Dalby. This is a fight tray where it's very hard for me to break this down. You and I talked about this uh you know, I'm gonna. We're in the trust tree here. Yeah, I was a little candid with you earlier. Mm-hmm. My record has not been particularly great the last few cards picking fights because nice I'm having too here. much fun. Yep, I'm having too much fun with this, and I'm tr- I'm talking myself into plays, yeah. which I don't normally do. I try to stay pretty pretty even keel on it, and but I start to have fun. I start to talk myself into the people I like more than yeah. who I think is actually going to win this fight. I love Tim Means. I like I like his style a lot. Nicholas Dalby's wrestling should win this fight. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I think Tim Means, the big area, of, or I guess um, the stain that I see with Tim Means is he's someone that does really well when he dictates the pace. That long, mm. lanky style when he's able to utilize that, even in the clinch, Fair. he's good. But if his cardio starts to go, he goes. And Dalby, with that wrestling style, that'll wear on you. And yes, that makes me very, very nervous with Tim Means. We tend to see him gas after, you know, one and a half rounds if, in fact, he is not dictating the pace and someone can't get on the inside. Dalby's a guy that's able to box pretty well in close quarters with, you know, short uppercuts, you know, quick elbows here and there, a little bit of Muay Thai style. But, yeah, the wrestling is going to be the X factor here. And if it negates Tim Means and he's not able to break away and it drains the cardio – 
plus money on Dolby doesn't look too bad. I'm going with Tim Means, though. I can't go against Dirty Bird. I feel like he's on the uppity up. That's where I'm staying right now. Yeah, I, 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 again, I want to, um, I want to take, I want to take Tim Means, but, and maybe Tim Means will win this fight. I, I have, to be honest with you, I have no idea. This is not a fight where I'm sitting here going, I feel super confident in this play at all. Um, right. But this is a fight where I'm being honest enough to know, to say that as a fighter, Tim Means is one of my favorite fighters on the roster. It's hard for me to pick against him. Right. And any pick that I make, on team Tim Means is going to come more so from the fact it'll be like a Cub Swanson pick. Mm-hmm. Cub Swanson could be fist fighting Jesus himself, and I'm going to pick Cub Swanson. I just like <laughs> the guy that much. Doesn't matter to me. So Tim Means isn't on that level, but anything I have yeah. to say about Tim Means and how he can win this fight is going to come from the perspective of me trying to talk myself into playing him here. I just think Nicholas Dalby or is is I don't he's not a better striker. I don't even necessarily know that he has better jujitsu. But his striking is just good enough. His cardio is just good enough. His wrestling is just good enough. He's just dominant enough and does enough of the right things that I think he could give Tim Means real problems here, which probably will result if there was a fight that was going to go to split decision. This could be the one. Um, From a betting perspective, I don't love this one at all. I'll probably just stay away from it because I'm too emotionally invested in it. If you're looking to us for how to play this fight, Trey's assessment is very nice. I can't be much help here because I like Tim Means too much. Fair, fair. I'm just trying to be as honest as I can be with this thing. All right, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I love about Nicholas Dolby though, real quick though? He lost a decision one time, or I was going to say it was declared a no contest because there was excessive blood loss on the canvas. Right. Have you ever seen that fight where it just looked like somebody butchered somebody yeah. in there and they, they couldn't even stand up? There was so much blood. It was yeah, unbelievable. They were, they were slipping all over the place. It was a- goddamn ice rink out there dude i love it man that was the fight against uh what's his face oh ross houston all right your boy andre feely 21 and 8 taking on daniel pineda at 27 and 14 man just the the cup swanson curse comes right back all right andre feely to minus 225 taking on daniel pineda to plus 190 over on rounds is at two and a half your tray that's a pretty steep price on andre feely that's a pretty steep price do you even want to touch him at that you're staying away at that fight. I'm staying away from this fight. And you know mm. me, I love me and my team alpha male. I think Andre Feely, his hands have gotten so much better. His wrestling has gotten so much better. This is a guy that I think when he came into the UFC really didn't have a good foundation, any facet of his mm. mixed martial arts, but he has embedded himself into that team. He's done really well. And we've seen the fruits of his labor in his, his most recent fights. He's had emotional fights where, you know, his dad coming out of jail has been, you know, cage side with him in Sacramento. He's dealt with every type of issue you can bring it into the cage as well as turmoil outside the cage. And he's always, you know, rose to the occasion. And when he didn't rise to the occasion, it was a fight of the night type performance. I like this fight for Andre. I hate the minus 225. I think that's way too deep for a guy that can pose a lot of issues. Andre tends to overthrow his shots and leave himself vulnerable and he's super susceptible to the counter so if he's not able to bury his head on the side of the guy's hip and push it up against the cage and get his pace going then he is going to be wide open for a shot i don't think he's going to get put out but will the volume be put on him possibly so so i don't like the minus 250 225 here I think the price is steep. I think in that regard, it needs to be dog or pass, or if you feel super confident on Feely, put him in a parlay. Outside of that, I wouldn't touch it. Um, 
my thing with with Andre Feely, and this comes up every single time we talk about this guy, he's got to get going. He's got to enter that Feely flow state. He's got to be feeling that he's effective in what he's trying to do, or he checks out of the fight. Yeah. He's got to be able to get himself. I thought, and I will stand by this, one of the one of the MMA hills I'll die on, I thought he beat Sadiq Yusuf. Mm-hmm. I thought he won that fight. Um, you know, here's the thing, man, is he, uh, Pineda, this is a pretty quick turnaround from the Cub Swanson fight, if I'm being honest. He got drummed up in that fight. He took some heavy shots. I don't think Feely cracks the way Cub does. But one of the things that Pineda really neglected in the Cub fight was a fast pace. Cub stayed on him, stayed active, made him work, made him throw. And we saw, you know, that that fade from a cardio perspective in the latter half of that fight when Cub got the knockout. And a lot of it came from Cub touching him a little bit, but his pace slowed down. I mean, he did not, he's a thick guy for that weight class. If Feely can make him work, I don't know if Pineda's made the the, the requisite adjustments from a cardio perspective. Feely has good cardio and he does do, like you said, he, he came in not with as, as a specialist, any one thing, but has sort of brought all skill levels up, you know, simultaneously. Yeah. He's got everything he needs to win this fight, but Pineda can crack and he's got decent jujitsu. Feely's got to be careful. It's dog or pass. You know what Feely doesn't have though? His two front teeth, and one front tooth. That he also doesn't have earlobes. Did he sew them up? What do he do with that, dude? I hate what he does. I hate what he does. He had the plugs, he and had the plug, for yeah. yeah, and so he, he does that like yeah. yeah, and they put that like tape tissue shit yeah. over it. I hate it, man. It just makes it, it makes you look weak already. It looks like you're already damaged. I don't like it. Um, do you ever have your ears pierced? No, never. No, I wasn't in a boy band. Hmm. Okay. Surprise. Um, so. I I had my ear pierced for like a week. What? Uh, Why? Yeah. So, well, the right one. <laughs> whatever, whatever one is the correct one is the one I had. Um, and yeah, man, I, I don't know, dude. It, I had, I, so remember when Barry Bonds was really popular and he had like the dangly cross. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Izzy does now. Yeah. I had the, I had the dangly cross for like, no, you didn't. I did. I did. I thought I was like, I thought it was like a white Barry Bonds. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like a white, uh, like Deion Sanders, Barry Bonds type. Cause I was playing, like, I, it was like when I first started playing football, it was not, it was not a good look for me. It was not a good look. And, and then, uh, because it was like a thing where I couldn't wear my earring during football practice, I took it out and then I just never put it back in. And then my hole closed up. It was literally like for a week. Wow. I've lost so much respect for you. <laughs> because I was a kid and I had my ear pierced. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Gosh. It's not like I'm on a registry or something like that. I literally just, I had my ear pierced freaking when I when I was still a teenager. Um for a week, no less. Anyway, all that to say is that I know people personally that have had gauged ears and apparently that hurts like a son of a bitch. So oh, I sure. wouldn't take it as a sign of weakness. If your shit's this big around, listen, doesn't matter whether we're talking about your ear holes or any other type of hole. You got a hole that that's big around. It took some work to get there and it probably hurt at some point in time. Dude, all I have is nightmares of someone maybe in like a North South 
position. They get their toe stuck in there and just ripping that shit out, dude. Bro, you know, you know, my my girl Jessica, I will punch that shit right off the side of his head. <laughs> yes. All right, man. All right, let's get, keep this thing moving, man. The wheels are coming off this thing. Danilo Marquez, Mar- 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 Marquez, how do you say this dude's last name? Your big Marquise, dude. Marquise, whatever, man. You speak Portuguese. I don't. Marquise at eleven and two. Kennedy and Jekwe is at eight and one. This is a weird fight, man. Dude, the you line look, flipped. The, the line, line flipped. flipped. Danilo at a plus one hundred eight. Jekwe at a minus one twenty eight. Um, what, 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 what you got, dude? Because my initial reaction is Danilo sub. That's my right. initial reaction, right. but. And Jekway actually has pretty decent takedown defense. I think his takedown defense is somewhere north of 70%. But the flip side is, he ain't really fought anybody that wants to take him down all that much either. I don't know, man. What do, you, what do we make of this? Because that Carl Earlberg, Earl, Earl whatever that dude's name is, that, that fucking New Zealand shampoo model that he fought last time, Izzy's boy, Olberg. Well, wait, didn't, didn't Kennedy, he, I thought he fought Paul Craig early on and he got subbed. I'm sure he did. That's probably where the one came from. Yeah, so, I mean, while he does have good takedown defense, you know, you go against someone superior in the grappling department or the submission department like Paul Craig, which we've seen time and time again, he gets subbed. Neo should get this thing done by sub. I mean, this line literally flipped. <laughs> you could get uh, Kennedy like a day and a half ago at like plus 100. Right. Um, it's totally flipped, minus 128. <sighs> Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go Danilo, um in this fight. I don't think I think people are I don't know if it's the hair. I don't know if it's the quality of competition. There is a vast disparity in quality competition from what Kennedy's fought in first marquees. Um, I just don't think he's as good as what it's chalked up to be. I think this line, if anything, is a pitch. I mean, it's practically a pick them now, but I'm going to go with the on this. I'm going to throw some extra cash and do it by sub because that's his one route to victory in this. All right. All right, I'm probably going to stay away from this one. This uh, a full disclosure, full disclosure. You guys listen to the show. We we break the fights down, and then on on Saturdays we'll put out our plays we like cards on Instagram. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, do so at Punchless MMA. Uh, but we'll put the we'll put our plays we like, which is the plays that we've decided that we're 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 going to play. Everything we talk about on the show, there is a component of it where we're just breaking down the fight, but that's not necessarily what we're playing. So be sure to check those out to see what we're actually playing. This is a fight where I prob- you probably won't see anything sh- show up on my card, if I'm being honest. Dude, check us out. Producer Jake's in the background. He's outside smoking a cigarette Oh yeah, in the, in the dark. He's out. The- he- Listen, Producer Jake's out in the dark right now with a dart in hand, <laughs> just living his best life. <laughs> so sick. That's freaking, I can't wait. I can't wait. At least wait. he has All a shirt right. on this time. That's true. That's true. All right. Co-main event of the evening. Tanner Bozer t- is 19 and 7, taking on OSP, Ovin St. Pru at 25 and 15. You know me. I love me some Ovin St. Pru, man. Bozer to minus 175. OSP at the plus 150. Over on, on rounds is at two and a half. Can heavyweight OSP get the W here against Tanner Bozer? Mm, dude, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I'm going with OSP, and I'm going okay. by sub. Um, Von Fluchoke, St. Pru, dude. I like that. Tanner Bozer scares the crap out of me, though, because if we learned one thing when OSP went up to heavyweight with Ben Roth, well, um, the power disparity is, is beyond significant. How about that? He rocked Ben Rothwell. I think the power stays. The cardio gets worse. His cardio's yikes. No, here's Tanner Bozer's cardio very good. It's amazing. For a heavyweight? 
Tanner Bozer's cardio is fantastic. That dude's running around the cornfields of Saskatchewan <laughs> chasing down field mice. What are you talking about? Bozer, if nothing else, has relentless cardio. Do you have cardio with this quick of a turnaround? Yes. Yes. Dude, two fights, skid. Bro, Bozer literally puts in road work wearing jorts. Jorts and farm boots. That's what he runs in. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Uh, dude, I just... I'm going OSP by sub. Because OSP Tanner Bozer is going to knock him the fuck out standing. Here's what I love about the, the OSP play. is Tanner Bozer has said this is the last fight on his UFC contract. Oh, well, that makes me want to fade it even more. Yeah, yeah. My man has decided he wants to test free agency, so it means only one of two things. He's either going to come out and he's going to put OSP away, or he's been entertaining offers already on the side in negotiation and knows that he's got something lined up even if this doesn't work out for him. Fair. OSP, plus 150, first plus money of the night. You want to take okay. it? I'll take it. Fuck yeah, let's do it. All right, man. Let's break down this main event, and then we'll run through the prelims. All right, main event of the evening, Cyril Gane at 8-0, taking on Alexander Volkov at 33-8. and I'm going to go ahead and say something right now. Do you, you want me to lead in with this one, or you want, you want to lead in with this one? Well, I feel like you're just going to say, if you were going to play one fight and one fight only of this entire card, it would be? This fight right here, and I'd take Alexander Volkov to absolutely take that O from Cyril Gane. He is going to... Fuck him up, dude. <laughs> Volkov is the dark horse of the heavyweight division. Yeah, I have been screaming this from the Caucasus Mountain mountaintops for damn near two years now. Volkov is the dark horse of the heavyweight division. I don't care about the Derek Lewis loss. He won 14 minutes and 37 seconds of that fight. He lost the last 10 seconds of the fight, which also happened to be the last 10 seconds on the, you know, whatever. Uh uh, of, of the actual clock as well. All I'm saying is, is you take away that Derek Lewis loss and the, you, you can't make a strong argument for anybody else having a, a title shot. There's n- there's no other person with the exception, obviously of Francis who fought, you know, Stipe, Stipe's last five opponents were the same two people, but anyway, doesn't matter. Volkov beat Cyril gone. Th- then, how on earth do you deny him a title shot? How on earth can you deny this man a title shot any longer if he goes out there and defeats, or when he goes out there and defeats Cyril Ghani? He does everything better. I don't want to hear anything about how Ghani is a better submission artist. He's got eight fights as a professional. <laughs> That's not enough of a, of, a, of a demographic to look at to say he's better at anything. You can't. You can't. Maybe as a professional kickboxer, because maybe he had more professional kickboxing bouts. But from a mixed martial arts perspective, you can't tell me shit saying he's better at Volkov anywhere. Because he's not. He's not. Ah, dude. Go ahead. I'm fade just, me. Fade no, me I'm not fading you. I'm not fading you. I was on Volkov at the moment this thing was put together. But mm. what makes me nervous mm. is Ghani does something that... Volkov doesn't like Volkov likes to keep you at distance with his outside jab, that front kick that he does. He likes yep. to create a little bit of space. Gane, if we saw anything like, for instance, in the Rosenstruck fight, even in the fucking Tanner Bozer fight, he's a Muay Thai guy that can cut off corners of the cage and he, he can close distances. Is Volkov going to be as good when he is, doesn't have much space to work with? Yes. 
Yes, because he's he's fantastic at establishing position, whether he's pushed up against the cage or he's pushing you up against the cage. He's great at digging hooks. He's great at reversals. He's great at seat building. He's, he's literally, he does everything better. Current, the freaking experience is the currency of combat. And Alexander Volkov's got over 50 professional fights. If you've got over 50 professional fights, you should not be losing to a guy that has eight. Unless you get caught, which these are heavyweights in a small cage, Anything can happen. You're going to have Gane, who's like, what, six, six, five, six, five. Volkov, who's six, six, seven. seven. And then you're probably, you know, they're going to have big tan Mergliata in there, who's probably six foot four. So there's going to be 500 pounds, no, fucking 640 pounds worth of man in there moving (laughs) around in a 24 foot cage. There's going to be a lot of thumping and bumping moving around in there. I don't doubt that for a second, but dude, Volkov is just a master of position. He's a wily veteran. He does all that, all that, those weird little intricate things correctly to win fights. And, you know, honestly, if you look at his last opponent in Overeem, Overeem is just the uber version of a Cyril Gane. He's the final form of Cyril. Two year, two year superstitions. Yeah. He has gotten exponentially better since he covered the manta ray tattoo with his new tattoo. New tattoo, fantastic! Big giant new new tattoo. Um, he also, for the first time ever, his last few fights looks like he's really adopted a strength and conditioning program. He is built like a freaking sh- brick shit house. I mean, he is massive, man. And for the longest time, he was just a big guy, but he was kind of doughy and a little soft. But now he's like, he's cut up. He yeah. looks good, man. He looks good. Manta Ray, dude. Ain't the Manta Ray, bro. It's that, <laughs> it's that samurai face on the back. I know. All right. Oh, boy. All right. You ready to break through these this, this prelims real quick? These prelim, prelims real quick? The toughest fight of the entire year is on this prelim. I know. I actually think that um, if I'm looking at if I'm looking at an updated uh, bout order, which I think I am, I think the Injekwe Marquez or Marquise fight, I think that got moved to the featured prelim in the, in the fight we're talking about, got pushed onto the main card, which is rightfully where it should be. All right. Warley Alves at 14 and four, taking on Jeremiah Wells at eight and two. I don't know if we could find a line on this. Producer Jake, you found a line. Jeremiah Wells plus 197. Warley Alves minus 232. Over under on rounds at one and a half. Warley Alves went and kicked the shit out of Munir Lazez and was one of my biggest losses of last year. No, that was this year. Um, mm-hmm. That was one of the Fight Island fights. Um, Warley Alves looked like a man possessed in that fight. I, I'm not betting against him until I see him lose. Minus 232, a little steep for me here. But I'll be looking at him as a parlay piece for sure. For sure am I looking at Warley Alves as a parlay piece. Dude, I'm not even going to make it a, a, a long argument. Alves is in my parlays for sure. Okay, that's it. Yeah, Just m- move it along. All right, cool. Yeah. Don't forget, Jeremiah Wells is a last second replacement here too. Um, last <laughs> yeah, second. who is who is he supposed to fight again? Uh, it was, uh, it was um, Ramazan and Eve, which is a much uh, different fight. Much yeah. different fight. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing: this whole thing, this whole card had a bunch of different different fights. So OSP was supposed to fight Maxine Grishin, which is good. Um, Ed Herman was supposed to be the one fighting Danilo Marquez. Mm-hmm. Anthony Hernandez was supposed to be fighting your boy Punale Soriano. Tim Elliott was supposed to fight Sue Maderji. Ramazan Amiv was supposed to fight Warley Alves. And Dalby was initially going to fight Sergey Kazanko, which was another good fight, man. So, anyway, 
Yeah, I just, dude, Alves is a worthy parlay piece. I mean, go back to his records, dude. I mean, he fought James Krause. Granted, he got knocked the fuck out in the second round. But uh, this is not even just a late replacement fight, but this is a guy who's making his UFC debut from CFFC. Like, this is big lights, big moment, and you got a big competition. There's a reason the line is there. It's going to get much steeper as it gets closer, I think. Yep. All right. Charles Rosa at 13 and five, taking on Justin James at 16 and seven. Justin James, if I'm not mistaken, has lost three, four in a row. Uh, he's lost quite a bit while Charles Rosa is a win one, lose one kind of guy. That being said, he lost his last one. He's due for a win minus 175. Personally, probably not going to touch this fight at all, but like Rosa, like him by submission or like him by decision. Justin Justin Janes doesn't have a lot of does not have a lot of cardio, but he hits like a truck if he can actually touch you. So if the guitar hero can touch you, he'll put the lights out. Charles Rosa is hittable. Um, not afraid of a bloodbath, not afraid of a brawl. He is hittable. Justin Janes has more than a puncher's chance here, but Charles Rosa is the owner of a superior skill set and should be able to get the W come Saturday night. Yeah, I think if Rosa can weather the early storm um, that Justin James is going to pose, he should win this. Charles Rosa's his biggest kryptonite has always been wrestlers. Um, so I don't see Justin James actually wrestling him to victory. Yeah. He's going to come in and do exactly what he tried to or what he did to Frank Camacho in 41 seconds, just put the lights out. So I think if Rosa can weather that first half of a round, he's going to be better, better on the ground. He might even like pull guard if need be, if he wants to just really slow it down, try and find a sub. But I think he's going to be the more technical striker. He's going to have the better cardio. He's better everywhere around his one vulnerability wrestling. Justin James is not going to have that. Gotcha. All right, man. Uh, let's see here. Demir Hedsovic taking on Yancey Medeiros. This was a fight that was initially booked. And then what was it? Demir pulled out. And now they just they just kept it, and now it's back. Demir Hitzovic at thirteen and six. Yancy Medeiros, excuse me, at fifteen and seven. I was heavy on Hitzovic the first time at minus one forty, pretty decent price. I'm heavy on him this time as well. He cracks, man. He absolutely he he absolutely swings with ill intention. Um, he puts himself in a lot of disadvantaged positions in doing so, but he swings hard, and Medeiros is usually there to be hit. Um, Yancey Medeiros, one of those guys that's never afraid of being in a fan-friendly uh, affair. And this this fight will be no different. Early contender for probably fight of the night. They're going to put a pace on each other early. This one will end violently. I like under two and a half. And I like Hedzovic to get it done. Oh, wow. <laughs> People's main event? Well, yeah, I think so. Sound the alarm. Um, dude, we talked... There it is. We, we talked about Hanato Moicano, dude, having uh, a salty record because of quality of competition. It's the same thing for Yancey Medeiros, dude. Say what you will about Don Cowboy Cerrone. Say what you will about, you know, Lando Venato. But when you're, you know, fighting those type of people, the Gregor Gillespie's of the world, that's some serious competition. I think the best thing he ever did was going from lightweight, obviously, to welterweight. I love me, my Hawaiian boys. I, again, I will say it. I said it when this fight was first announced. I like that he is back training on the west side of Oahu with Max Holloway. I think it's the better camp for him. Um, I, I I think he gets it done. I I, I really think this is going to be two guys just throwing, throwing hands. But I think Yancey is the more diverse player. He's going to have better ground game. Um, I see Yancey getting it done. Um, but I'm going to go by decision. I know this should be an inside the distance. I think this is going to go the distance. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
All right, let's see here. What else we got? All right, let's move through these. Julia Vila taking on uh, – is it Julija Stoliarenko? Julia Vila. Julia versus Julia. Stoliarenko. Stoliarenko at 9-4, Avila at 8-2. and two. Look, man, here's the thing. My problem with the Stoliarenko thing in, in its entirety, if you don't remember a couple weeks back or even a couple months back, she was a girl that could make weight. They were on the yeah. scale. She was falling down. They were trying to hold her up so she could make weight, and then she collapsed backwards twice. She collapsed. They put her on the scale, had her weigh in, and she collapsed again. What were you going to do if she made the weight? Like, here's the thing. If you walk to the scale and you fucking pass out because of your body shutting down, it's a wrap, man. We're not weighing in. We're not going to let you fight anymore. It's it's over with. You fell off the scale and bumped your head uh, like a nursery rhyme. You are done. We're done here. We're done. Now, they book her again, which hopefully we got that under control. But this is a a fight, man, where I know we say women's dogs and it's science plus 285. Of course, I'm going to play her. But golly, that weight cut makes me nervous, man. So, uh, Julia Villa, she... She beat Penny Kassad, beat Gina Manzani. Like that's that's those are two people that I'm not saying, wow, congratulations. But she did lose to Sajara Eubanks. Now, Sajara Eubanks, you and I have both been on the same page that she has talked about the most ebb and flowy fighter on the planet. Yeah. Usually we're really down on her. She's had some bright moments. She had a bright moment in that fight with Julia because she exercised her wrestling. Julia does not have good wrestling, but Stolarenko does not have wrestling whatsoever. What she does have is one thing. She's like the old school Ronda Rousey. She has the arm bar. She's an arm bar queen. I don't know how many she's had, but she's had a shit ton. She wants to come into these fights heavier so that she can somewhat lay down heavy, get in like an S position, try and find that arm bar and get it done. She's not going to be able to do that. I think Avia, the greatest thing was Sajara Eubanks' fight to understand what she needs to do from negating getting to the ground. She's going to have the way better striking. She's an aggressive fighter. She's good on the feet. Minus 360 is way too heavy. It's dog or pass, but there's no reason to put it on the dog because Avia is going to get it done. Interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm still going with the dog. Women's, women's dogs, man. Science. It's probably going to work out. Science, bro. You have to take them. <laughs> You have to take it. It is science. All right. Marcin Prachny out 14 and 5. Ike Villanueva at 17 and 11. This is most my this is my single outside of the Tim Means fight. You can't pay me to touch this fight. No. You cannot pay me to touch this fight. Prachnial's price is ridiculous at a minus 190. (laughs) He is so rockable and is such he's so unpredictable when he comes out. Ike Villanueva is I don't know, man. He's an even keel C plus fighter at best, but that might be enough to beat a guy like Marcin Prakniao. I don't know. The 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 Caucasus Mountains in me want to take Prakniao here. It really does. Mm-hmm. However, Villanueva, I feel like is a live dog at plus one sixty five. If we're talking about guys that are going to fight for your money, right? Here, who's mm-hmm. a dog that'll fight for your money on this card? Ike Villanueva is that dog. Ike Villanueva does have that fight in him. I would go so far as to say Ike Villanueva is worth a stab at plus 165 based on how hittable Marcin Prachnow is. Right. Prachnow is the owner of a better skill set, is the owner of a better resume, but he is so freaking hittable. And Villanueva is so tough and so durable that I think he can withstand whatever Prachnow throws at him. And at some point in time, he is going to have his moment in the fight. 
can Pracnia weather the storm and ultimately get that W? Maybe, maybe not. But I like Villanueva here, man. I, I Again, sounds like I'm talking myself into this, and I just said I was going to avoid this fight. All I'm going to say is you want a dog that will fight for your money on Saturday night? I feel in the wave as you did. I'm not, no, betting, this, I'm not betting this fight, though. You said it perfectly, dude. I'm, I'm doing that exact same thing. I'm taking Villanueva because he will fight for her money. Pracnio, dude, the only reason he's still in the UFC, he had three consecutive first-round losses. He won against the Khalil Roundtree thing. But, I mean, the reason he beat Khalil Roundtree, if you remember that fight, dude, Khalil in the first round gassed so hard because he had a shitty weight cut. I can't so, talk about Khalil Roundtree anymore, man. He's done. He's, can't talk about him. He's dead to me. I can't. Yeah. So you're you're coming off a gas boshed weight cut Cleo Roundtree win. That's why you're getting that minus 190. But no, Ike Villanueva, I actually think he's going to have the better striking. To your point, if he can weather the early storm, I think he can outpoint him. Technically, I think he can land probably a little bit better, and he's going to fight for your money. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right. Michelle Prezera is taking on Shavkat. Shavkat Rachmanov. Rachmanov at 13 and 0. Prezeris at 26 and 2. It seems weird to me that Michelle Prezeris at 26 and 2, my man El Tractora, yeah. is 26 and 2. Sneaky one of the best records out there right now at 26 and 2. He's a beast for all intents and purposes, right? Um, lost the fight to Ismail Nardiev. But if you look at his record, right, and the runs that he's been on, they refuse to move him up in competition. They just refuse to move him up in competition. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna. So we had his loss to um, uh, Nardiev, right? Mm-hmm. And then his his last loss prior to that was to Paulo Tiago back on UFC on FX8, Belfort versus Rockhold, right? Uh-huh. When TRT tour was a thing. But listen. <laughs> He went on. He's he went on a run in that meantime, and listen to these opponents. They never upped him in competition. Right. Jesse, Jesse Ronson, Merbeck Tysimov, hmm. Kevin Lee. I'm sorry, Kevin Lee beat him, not Paul Tiago. He lost to Kevin Lee in that fight. So scratch that. So the gap is Valmir Lazaro, J.C. Cottrell, Gilbert Burns, Josh Burke, Josh Berkman, Mads Burnell. You went from Gilbert Burns. To Josh Mads Berkman, Burnell. to Mads Burnell, and then you fought Desmond Green, who came back, and then you fought Zach Cummings, then you fought Bartos Brzezinski or Fabinski. I don't understand. They just refuse to give this guy an upper level competition. They just they he must he must smell bad or doesn't play the game or fucking something because he's got twenty fights in the UFC and they've never upped his level of competition. It's always stayed the same. And now he's getting Rachmanov, who is an absolute, absolute beast. Mongolian murderer. Right. Fucking good luck, man. Good luck. I know it I'm sucks not- because he's getting someone that's super gnarly that has no name. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to take Rachmanov here. I hate him at that price, though, because, again, you're talking about taking a guy minus 285 who admittedly hasn't fought many people. He's only 13 and 0. Um, he hasn't fought a ton of people, and he's taken on a guy with a wealth of experience who's been in the big show for a long time and has a good record at 26 and 2, man, or whatever it is, 26 and 3, whatever, whatever his record is. All right, dude, you're going to think I'm absolutely wild here. Yeah, you take Prezeris. You love Brazilians. I'm taking Prezeris for one reason and one reason only big Brazilian dick. No, why? He's because he's going to get that big Brazilian submission, dude. And you I'm going to so? tell you why. 
Okay. That's what he does, dude. He throws the kitchen sink. He fucking windmills his punches in to get the thing to the ground. Dude, <laughs> Shavcat is going to have a 12 inch. This is not a joke. 12 inch reach advantage. Yeah. Dude, those limbs, that's like trying to, I mean, how easy is it to grab a, grab an arm or a leg that's 12 inches longer than what you're used to? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Shout out. She gets a shit. I've never grabbed anything 12 inches in my life, man. So I have no idea. <laughs> Dude, Shaft Cat's going to get this thing done, but I am going to be throwing because there's no value. I don't think in the minus two, 285, unless you're going to put that in a parlay. I'm going to take Prezeres by sub, throw maybe like a quarter unit quarter on unit, there. <laughs> quarter unit, really, really spicing up the bankroll there, man. All right. Last fight of the evening. Ronnie Barcelos taking on Tim Moore Valley. A Valley of 17 and two. Barcelos at 16 and one. If Barcelos is going to make a run, Trey, it has to be right now. Do I think Timur Valiev is the springboard for that run? No. But everybody and their brother is on Ronnie Barcelos right now. And they're on the Barcelos train, justifiably so. He's an absolute murderer and has been under the radar for a while. Now he's finally getting some light shown on him. Timur Valiev, on the other hand, uh, also an accomplished mixed martial artist in his own right with a well-rounded skill set and has all the tools to beat a guy like Ronnie Barcelos. But maybe the quality of competition is a little bit different. Maybe the mixed bag and as far as the UFC success is concerned and the weight that Vegas is putting on that. I, I'm, if I'm looking at this, I think Valley is worth a stab at the price. If you're asking me to pick winners and losers, I think Barcelos should win this fight. But at a plus 175 on Valiev, I think if these guys fight 10 times, Valiev can win this fight four or five times. To me, that shows 50-50. So if I can get $1.75 on my money here on a, essentially what could be a 40 or 50% chance of Valiev winning this fight, I'm going to take it, man. I'm going to take it. I want Valiev. Cox Mount Warrior me up. Hani by KO or inside the distance or Valiev uh, by decision. Valiev, obviously, he's going to use his wrestling. He's going to grapple his way to a long, lengthy win. Valiev is that type of guy, though, that came in with so much expectations and just never lived up to the hype. Ooh, um, Ooh that's I weird. Think that's a weird thing to say. Well, it reminds me a little bit of like like we talked about it last week with like Wellington Terman. as a guy that came in young who had a bunch Ooh. of hype behind him and then just Ooh. never lived up to the bright lights. I think Valiev has the tools – um, to get it done, but people that maybe have been more versed in UFC fights, like for instance, when he fought Trevin Jones, dude, that was exploited on the highest level. Quickly, it was like, hey, there's a double different level of competition. You got to, you know, heighten your game a little bit. I think Valiev's had those kind of speed bumps, and he's learned, hey, where my voids are. Hani, he's got to be careful of him standing. I think he's going to be good jujitsu as well. Um, if I think if he can elongate this fight hold top control i think you can get this thing by decision but i think there, that's literally the two plays it's honey inside the distance or it's valley of by decision what's interesting to me about this i mean if you look at barcellus he fought twice in 2019 he fought or twice in 2018 twice in 2019 only once in 2020 with the win over khalid taha but Realistically speaking, I mean, I don't know how much more active he needs to be in order to, like, to make a run. I mean, you're fighting twice a year. I know that there's, like, the Kevin Hollands out there that want to fight four, five, six times a year or whatever they can do. But two to three fights a year is pretty much the standard. Um, and then in a stacked Bantamweight division like that, you know, 
there is a little bit of hurry up and wait in divisions like that because there's they're such shark tanks. You really can't you don't want to risk momentum by taking a stay busy fight and be you know outclassed by who you're fighting. But if you look at who they 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 booked him against, I mean, he was initially supposed to fight Marab, then he was supposed to fight a, a, a Sun Sal. Yeah. So it's not like they think they think lightly of him. No, absolutely um, not. And if you're Valiev, you've got to be looking at this like the Monstars from Space Jam. If you beat Barcelos, you take all of his power <laughs> and say, I'm ready for a top 10 in the Bantamweight division. So right. this is a, in my opinion, for Barcelos, this is a lose-lose situation. If you beat Valiev, you sh- people are saying you should beat him. And if um, you lose everything you've worked for the last five fights over the last three years is gone is gone you were supposed to fight a much higher opponent didn't come through for whatever various reasons for both of your opponents now you're taking a very difficult fight if you lose this everything you work for is gone man it's a big step that's, back that's a scary fight it's a scary fight i'm taking valley up just because I, I think he's gonna fight for my money i all like right. that all right let's break these down real quick we'll just go top to bottom okay let's do it worldly alves jeremiah wells i'm on alves alves Hedsovic versus Medeiros. I'm on Hedsovic. Uh, Medeiros. People's main event. Justin James, Charles Rosa. I'm on Rosa. Rosa by decision. Oh, gosh, I hate that fight. Stoli Ranko versus Avio. I'm on Stoli Ranko. Women's underdogs, science. Ovia. Uh, Ike Villanueva, Marcin Pratchnell. Super avoidable, but maybe Ike Villanueva. Ike will fight for your money. Yes, he will. Rachmanov versus Prezeris. I'm on Rachmanov. I'm going to take Prezeris by sub. Gotcha. Valiev versus Barcelos. I'm on Valiev. I like Valiev by decision there. Oh, you're, you, I switched you over. No, I was always there. I oh, mean, you're... I was either saying it was, yeah, I was always saying Valiev by decision. Okay. Yeah. Moicano versus Herbert. Moicano. I'm on Moicano as well. Dalby versus Means. Oh, gosh, dude. You've, you almost swayed me to, to Dalby, but I'm going to stick with Means. All right. I plead the fifth. Feely versus Pineda. <laughs> uh, touchy Feely. What did I say? What did I, I have no feelings about this fight. I have no feelings. No about feelings this about this entire card. <laughs> I have no feelings about this entire card. Marquez versus Injekwe. Uh dude, I'm gonna just take the plus money on um, Marquez. All right, I'm on Marquez too, I suppose. Bozer versus OSP. 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 Volkov versus Gane. Volkov. On Volkov too. Then title shot. Full disclosure: my my bet slip this weekend will probably have three to five plays on it. Just, be, it. just being honest, just being honest. All right, said we were going to give away some beer money. Yeah. So if you listened or stuck around this long for the beer money, here are the parameters for the beer money giveaway. This Friday, it's Friday, right? Is it? It's Friday for the Bell Tour card. Yeah. This Friday, Taylor Johnson, Taylor Tombstone Johnson, is fighting on Showtime for Bellator. Against what's 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 my boy's name? What's dude's name? Lance Wright. Taking on Lance Wright. Okay. The boogeyman. The boogeyman. Right. Here's the parameters for the beer money giveaway. Tombstone will be walking out. He will have on a tire that has the punch list logo. If you can take a picture of our logo on Taylor and either send it to us to our Instagram or Post it on your Instagram and tag us in it. We will then. I will. I'm. I'm gonna have the Venmo loaded. I will send you money. Your next beer's on me. 
put it on your story, tag Allegiance Clothing, Ooh. and at Taylor Tombstone Johnson. Okay. You are going to get a beer. I'm going to buy you a beer. I'm just, it's not like we're not doing one big giveaway. I will buy your next beer. And you can yeah. tell me you're drinking a triple IPA. That's fine. The Venmo will be fired up and ready to go. Take a picture of Taylor. Take a picture of our logo on Showtime. If you have Showtime, if you use one of those other sites, I can't condone that, but I'm not going to tell you not to. If you can take a picture of it and you can send it to us or post it and tag us in it, tag Allegiance, tag Taylor, some way that we can see it. If we see it, your Venmo is getting beer money in it. I can't yep. make it any easier than that. Take it's a picture easy. of the logo, get a beer. That's all you got to do. How sick is that, dude? You just turn on Showtime, you watch a murder happen, and you yep. get a free beer. You get a, yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's like the first 48. It's like watching reruns of the first 48. You're going to sit, you're going to get to see a murder while you drink a beer. That's <laughs> the American way. It's the American way. It doesn't get any better than that. All right. <laughs> Let's wrap this thing up, man. You got anything else you want to give the people? No, dude. Taylor by murder this week and all that matters. I don't give a fuck about UFC Vegas 30. I care about Taylor Tombstone Johnson beating the shit out of the boogeyman that is Lance Wright from Team Elevation. I love Team Elevation, but I don't love him that much to love Lance Wright because Taylor is fucking going to be middleweight champ soon. So put your fucking eyes on him. Did you did you see did you see I sent I sent Elevation a message and I I told him I said, "You know, normally we're ride or die with you guys, but uh you're fighting one of ours big. this time, so I fucking <laughs> so I, I hope your dude gets fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> they brought they said fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh yeah. So if you want to win beer money, that's how you do it. If you don't already do so, guys, follow us at punchlist MMA on all social media channels. You can shoot us an email chat at punchlist MMA. Want to address something real quick? The pod status rankings that we posted up. Number one in New Zealand. I need to address something real quick. <laughs> we realized that. Brad Riddell is not Australian. And most of the shit that we equated to Brad Riddell was Australian. Yeah. You have to understand something. We are Yankees and geographically stupid Yankees at that. Mm -hmm. Australia and New Zealand, I recognize as different countries, but you're the same in that (laughs) regard. I know that's wrong. I know it pisses you off, but in my brain, yeah, my, my brain. I think the same thing. I know it's completely different. One was where Lord of the Rings was shot at. The other one is is a place where everything can kill you. I totally get that you're different locations. But my dumb Yankee brain doesn't really separate it when I talk. So we appreciate you making us number one in New Zealand. And I love you and I appreciate you. And I hope I get to visit your your country one day. If the U.S. continues to go the way it is now, I'm probably going to do it a lot sooner rather than later. But, wait, you can't have guns there, so maybe not. Can you have guns there? I think they did like an assault rifle ban, didn't they? No, but their kangaroos are like super jacked. Have you they seen don't those have, they don't See, they don't have kangaroos in New Zealand. What the fuck country are we talking about, dude? Australia. Producer Jake. Producer Jake. <laughs> kangaroos are only in Australia. True or false? No, there's got to be some in New Zealand. Well, I'm sure there isn't a zoo. Well, yeah, but no, I don't I think, think there's like, wild kangaroos in New Zealand. No, there for sure is. Dude. No, I don't think there are. <clears throat> what do they have then? Fucking not kangaroos. <laughs> but can you name like one wild animal they have? Uh, kiwi. That's a fruit. No, no, that's an that's a bird. That's a fl- <laughs> that's a flightless bird. 
No, that is that green fruit. With the they seed. also have, wait, they also have fucking red stags there too. What's a stag? What? I don't know what a stag is. It's a majestic prehistoric deer. They're, they're the size of your car. They're fantastic. Usually, they were imported. Hold on a second. I feel like, I feel like Professor X here for a second. Red stag were imported from somewhere in Britain um, to New Zealand for the purpose of recreational hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, so Australia and New Zealand started out as penal colonies. Where penal colonies? They were penal colonies. Like a bunch of dicks? No, well, yeah, but also from like from a penitentiary perspective. So like <laughs> Great Britain, England, all these other colonies, whenever for a while there, um, when whenever Great Britain was doing their world conquest thing, somebody's gonna fucking eviscerate me with my world history here. Um what I think they were doing, they were sending all of their prisoners to work in Australia, like like mining encampments and all this stuff. And they started penal colonies. And if I'm not mistaken, they imported red stag from Northern England, Great Britain, maybe Ireland. I know that those places are all different from fucking somewhere over there. They imported all of them and put them in New Zealand. So that way that the the main, like the, the big dogs in Australia, like the, whatever the wardens and the governors and all that shit could go over there and hunt them. And then, as such, they are now not rampant, but they are. They have established a population. They're big, giant, like prehistoric-looking red, like deer. They're massive, massive red stag. Okay. So I don't know how I got there, but that's how we got there. That's interesting. I think they're the biggest mammal in New Zealand. Interesting. Is that right? I think they're the biggest mammal. Well, apparently, um, yeah. There's no kangaroos in New Zealand. Nope. They're just in Australia and Correct. some new, new pigland or whatever that was called. New Guinea. Yeah. New Guinea. Yeah. Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea. Where like the the cannibals are at. What? Bro, hold on a second. How do I know more about this than you do? Bro, I, I barely even know the history of the United States. How the fuck mm. am I supposed to know the history of? countries outside of these these walls so you have to know it man. Or non-walls, to, non-walls. <laughs> yeah. clearly you're sitting on a beach all right um so yeah we just made everybody in the oceana area fucking furious with us with our brief interpretation of how their countries were started um kind of re- sucks because we were so high ranking and we just blow it up well here's the thing is i'm apologizing in advance because i know it's wrong so just tell me i'm stupid you know um <laughs> But it is what it is. Maybe you guys should just stick to MMA. Maybe, fucking maybe. Maybe. Possibly. But also, I have the microphone, so you listen to whatever I fucking have to say. How about that? All right. So, anyway. All right, man. Um, if you don't follow us, do. If you don't follow Drew, follow Drew. Um, we're going to hook things up with the Run It Back Boys. We will do a Hot Ones Challenge. Drew's in for that. So there will be some sort of crossover episode where Trey, myself, and the ever handsome Drew Dober will be eating hot wings while being grilled with MMA related questions by the boys over at the Run It Back podcast at a date to be determined, but probably before Drew gets married. So uh, we have between now and August to make that happen. Bang, bang. All right. We'll see you guys on Fight Night. Be good to each other. Peace.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 